0: Get informed. individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
2: Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, we're continuing a series of podcasts about this really important policy report called building new foundations in the cannabis industry but first let me introduce my guests i have three today the first is elise cerberoli who leads global business development at streamo bringing that experience uh, in software and multinational food operations to the cannabis space. She's also a member of NCIA's State Regulatory Committee focusing on technology compliance, regulatory forces and informing local governments. My second guest is Deborah Borchardt. She's the co-founder and CEO of the cannabis financial news website, Green Market Report. She left Wall Street to earn a master's degree in business and economic reporting from New York University and embarked on a career as a financial journalist, including as a senior producer and reporter at thestreet.com. Deborah is also a co-founder of the Women's Cannabis Executives Networking Group, Industry Power Women, and serves on the board of the Cannabis Newswire, AccessWire. And my third guest is Christine De La Rosa. She's the co-founder and CEO of The People's Dispensary and spent 20 years as a systems and database architect in tech before coming to cannabis. Christine has her own story and experiences of cannabis as a life saving wellness medicine, which inspired her to open Benefit Health Collective in 2016, along with her co founders, to help those who most need access to cannabis. And Christine is on NCIA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee as well. So today, we're going to talk about this important policy report I mentioned. Building New Foundations in the Cannabis Industry. Let's check in with our guests, though, to kick off the conversation. Elise, uh, tell us more about you and your background
3: and what's happening at Streamo. Thanks, Bethany. I'm really excited to be here today with my co-authors, Christine and Deb. Um, I lead global business development for Streamo and Streamo is the leading ERP platform for the cannabis industry. ERP is enterprise resource planning. So we help cannabis businesses, cultivators, processors, distributors um, manage their supply chain more efficiently and profitably, um, which helps them standardize and scale. Um, So from a software perspective, I'm very excited about the legal cannabis space. It's a very complex and dynamic supply chain um, from agriculture to manufacturing and retail. And that's all under a very strict and changing regulatory framework. So we are very excited at Streamo to br- provide that technology um, to businesses of all sizes to really capture and report their operational and financial data.
2: Awesome, thanks Elise. Uh, And Christine, your turn. Tell us about what's happening at the People's Dispensary also.
3: Well, thank you. There's so
4: much happening at the People's Dispensary. I'm super excited about it. Um, We are currently working at bringing our first product lines to market in six different states. Um, We are in the process of our application in Fresno. Our Fresno team uh, just won the Ease Momentum Grant Award. So, really great for them. Um, Our Portland store is still going strong. And I'm super excited about the fact that we may get to federal legalization sometime soon. So I'm sure everybody in the cannabis industry is super excited about it. But that's what's going on for us.
2: Awesome. Great. Yeah, we're definitely looking at uh, this new Congress and what's what's ahead of us. Uh, But Deborah, um, thanks for being on the show today. Tell us more about what's happening in your world.
5: So it's gotten to be very busy. Uh, One, on the news side, there are a lot of huge deals happening, a lot of big M&A going on. So things are really cranking back up in cannabis fundraising. So that's been uh, a lot of fun to talk about. Of course, all the companies are delivering their earnings. So we're getting to see some real hard numbers as to who's doing well and who's not doing so well. Uh, we are hosting our first virtual event of 2021 next week. It's called the state of cannabis banking. And we're following the money from like physical delivery of cash all the way to the end where the customer is paying for their product. So we're excited about that. It's February 24th at 2 PM Eastern. You can go on our website and uh, pick up the link for that. We'd love for you to register.
2: Awesome. Great. Thanks for sharing that, Debra. Um, so- Let's talk about the reason we're here today on this episode. The newly released Gender Parity Report is a partner effort between National Cannabis Industry Association and the Arcview Group, um, which put together this amazing group of individuals across various companies and organizations who we're gonna get to know some of them and speak with across this series of about four podcasts, unpacking the various sections of this collection of research on gender parity, um, Elise, would you like to speak to the overall goals of this paper, which you know was this amazing effort and labor amongst so many, so many individuals for for several weeks or a couple months? Actually, is that right?
3: Yeah, um, it it took a few months. We started back in May. Uh, 2020. And we all know that 2020 was quite the challenging year uh, for what? many reasons. Can we reasons. year away? <laughs> can, we,
2: can we start over? Okay.
3: <laughs> and um, so Deb, Christine, and I, uh, we were able to navigate that year little by little and little by little put together this paper where I would say, so to contextualize it a little bit, we're looking at gender parity in the in all of these papers and so specifically in our paper looking at equity ownership through a lens of gender parity um, and there's a real need in cannabis to get more get more data out there but to give you a little bit of an idea of the, the type of research that we were including in this paper um, according to a carta study in 2018 for example, out of 15,000 founders, they found that women, female founders own on average 48 cents to every dollar that male founders own. Um, And so this paper really is attempting to expand the minds of readers of how we can um, all create opportunities for equity Um, And I would break that into kind of two main audiences. On the one hand, people in position of power to extend those opportunities. So business owners, business executives, investors and board members um, who are at those tables deciding how to split up equity. Right. And then on the other side of that, women and female founders Um, who are thinking of starting their own businesses, we wanted to lay out some tools and some lessons learned um, on on things that they should be thinking about as they get started in cannabis. And I just want to give a special thanks to our collaborators, um, Shanita Penny and Khadijah Adams. They were um, wonderful in sharing their professional journeys with us.
2: That's great. Thank you. Um, Deborah or Christine, we've got just a minute or two here before our first commercial break. I wonder if you wanted to add anything uh, about your experience working on this paper or what you hope to achieve uh, with, with getting it out into the world.
5: Sure, I really enjoyed working on the paper, just meeting a lot of women that I did not already know and just getting to spend time with some of the women that I did know. And I think ultimately with our paper, we're focused on the idea that having ownership equals power and that is something that's really clear to us when we when we researched this paper was how unequal that ownership level was and how that ultimately trickles down and affects the power uh, formula as well
2: absolutely thanks for sharing that well as we head into our first commercial break i am inspired personally to share an anecdote from my own professional history Um, in the early to mid 2000s. I worked in an office setting with lots of amazing people, very diverse workforce, actually, because we were dealing with foreign languages. And I had a great boss, um, a white male, middle aged. Um, He was actually very good about supporting the women on his team and promoting them and giving them opportunities to shine. But I do remember this one day um, my, one of my colleagues who was uh, above me, a, a di- director, made a joke about college classes and women's business classes and things like that. And my supervisor, we'll call him Doug, said, women's business? What about a men's business class? And we all had a hearty chuckle. And then my, my female director friend said, Doug, I think that's called regular business, Anyway, so that was 15, 16, 17 years ago. And we're, although that's kind of funny, I think it's kind of telling and the reason we're talking today. With that, let's take our first commercial break and come back and chat more uh, with Elise, Deborah, and Christine about the gender parity paper. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Sugis. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's cannabis industry voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. And I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA. And we're talking with three ladies, Elise Cerberoli from Streamo, Deborah Borchart from Green Market Report, and Christine De La Rosa of The People's Dispensary. All of these women are authors on this paper, this collection of research. Uh, So we're going to take a deep dive into the specific sections of the paper that the three of you specifically worked on, which discusses pathways to equity ownership in the cannabis industry. Of course, we encourage everyone to download the full paper yourself. You can find that on NCIA's website under our industry reports section, or you can just head straight to www.arcview.com slash NCIA. So let's get started by Christine, can you talk about some of these key takeaways from this paper, um, what they are and 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 let's let's take a deeper dive into them.
4: Sure. So um, when we were thinking about this paper and Elise, Deborah and I were putting the paper together, we wanted to understand all of the different ways we could foster or encourage equity ownership. And of course, there's equity ownership if you're a female founder. There's equity ownership if you're going to be part of the C-suite in um, in a company. But there's also equity ownership from an investor point of view. And what that we know right now is that for investments, largely, um, investments are done by accredited investors, and that makes pretty much sure that people who are not accredited investors don't have the ability to invest in this up and coming industry, which is in many ways um, terrible because the people that built the industry are black and brown people who are not normally accredited investors. So at the People's Dispensary, when we first started our company, we were trying to figure out how do we make sure that the community that has supported us, that has gotten us this far, that comes into our store, that buys our products, that supports us, just generally speaking are able to invest in our company if they're not they're not accredited investors. And so we were able to come up with an alternate pathway. And this is what we were in this paper, what we're always thinking about having people think about what are alternate ways of doing things. So we had a couple of impact investors that were large accredited investors that went in, did the investment. They did the original investment, they're accredited, they were able to do so. And then they granted sections of their larger investment to non-accredited investors um, so that they would reap the benefits from that investment so that way the community could also own in the industry so this is a way in which you think about what's legal what you're supposed to be doing and then you check with the lawyers of course um, and figure out a way to make it equitable even though the system does not support equity And so when you're thinking about equity ownership as a business owner, as a company, or as somebody who's looking to have equity ownership in a business, always think out of the box if the current system that really is built against a lot of different types of communities, think outside that box to create a pathway for yourself or for the companies to create pathways for other individuals to be able to benefit. And I was Mm -hmm. really excited about being able to share that with people as this might not be the way for some people but it's a different way and you can create different ways
2: it's good to have options right Mm -hmm. and and i like what you said check with the lawyers check with the lawyers always just add add that compliance (laughs) compliance (laughs) compliance yes yep uh deborah uh would you like to talk more about these uh takeaways from the paper
5: absolutely so one of the things that we learned as we were researching it is that female founders on average held only 5% of the company stock. And, and as Christine was saying about alternative pathways, you know, one of the most traditional pathways that women get ownership in a company is by being a founder. And it's just not translating into the responsibilities and duties and, and, and what it takes to be a founder to actually owning part of the company. And that was pretty shocking. And uh, we were able to look at a case study, really in life of a cannabis company. And this was all public information. And they got their first male CEO and the male CEO got 500,000 restricted stock units. He was left he left or was terminated, whatever. They had a female CEO come in. She only got 300,000 in stock units. She left after a few months and they were on their third CEO. So you see, there's a little bit of a troubled company here, but they're on their third CEO back to another man. He got 600,000 stock units. Mm. So he got double what the woman got. And the thing is, is these these pieces of ownership, this this stock um, that gives a person part of the equity ownership of the company is a real valuable item and if we're telling you know female founders and 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 female executives your value is less than the men because we're only going to give you this much ownership in the company it's really difficult to for women to have the power and the the uh finances to move forward and and be on an equal level with the men in the in the industry and so It was a a little shocking to see the statistics and then it was even more shocking to see an actual event that was, again, public information, but to see side by side how poorly uh, a female CEO was treated with regards to equity ownership. Got it. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, those are, those are some
2: uh, sobering statistics, but thank you for sharing those for sure. Um, Elise, uh, what what did you want to say about uh, this section of the paper?
3: Um, Yeah, so we also laid out some of the systemic roadblocks uh, that women face, and we looked at some specific to gender and then also specific to cannabis so um, as Deb was pointing out that just women consistently getting less stock or less equity or lower pay etc um, and then within the cannabis space we have ex- many examples of female washing the licensing process so you know on the license saying, they're going to be female owned or female run. And really it's just someone's wife or sister on the application, um, which takes away opportunities then for, um, for women who are for female founders who are aiming for those licenses. Right. And you just see, you just see so many examples of discrimination based on gender and based on race um, that then, negatively impact women of color even more than um you know they're they're facing the race the intersection of race and gender um in all of these moments of negotiation um i would really also encourage anyone listening to this to check out this is part of a series of papers Um, And Deb was also leading a paper of access to capital. And Christine and I worked on another paper um, focusing on the C-suite. And in there, we're really offering resources, um, encouraging the entire industry, regardless of of where you sit in the industry, whether you're in a position of power um, or you're just getting in now, um, on focusing on on becoming an anti-racist and inclusive industry As a whole.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Again, I, we definitely encourage everyone to download the whole series of papers. Um, There's all these sections that take a deep dive into the various aspects of these issues. Um, And I understand there's also some toolkits with these papers that the readers can download and print or save and use as a guide or roadmap toward gender parity in equity ownership and cannabis and and apply that to themselves. Is that right, Elise?
3: Yeah. So um, we have included different resources and tips that women in the industry contributed to. Um, A lot of us have learned the hard way how to get from step A to step (laughs) Z. Um, So some of that is just, you know, having the network of lawyers and accountants on hand to help you out in those in those moments, negotiating liquidity events, equity shares, stock amounts, um, and really taking this opportunity that we have in front of us in cannabis to flip the script. Right. And that's going to be not just on. I think that our our toolkit really focused on um, female founders, but as Christine was emphasizing and i'd love for you to expand on that christine really really offering new pathways to equity.
2: Awesome. let's take our last commercial break and then come back and pick back up on that conversation while we wrap up the show but in the meantime stay tuned we will be right back
0: ncia's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors Get inspired and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. And we're talking with Deborah, Christine, and Elise uh, in this series of podcasts, about four of them, talking about the gender parity paper that was an effort between the Arcview Group and NCIA and the expertise and, and um, efforts of so many individuals across various companies and organizations. Um, and before we uh, took this last break here, Elise was talking about some of the toolkits and the checklists and, and things like that. And I think, uh, Christine, we wanted to follow up with some of your thoughts here.
4: I think that one of the great things about these gender parity papers, all of them, is that they're being done at a time where we're seeing a huge shift. And I think that what I would really counsel people or expand on, as Elise asked me to, is that don't take the status quo anymore. Don't say, this is how it's always been done. First of all, the cannabis industry is an industry of revolution. And so, whatever's always been done, it's up to us to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think we can see now that things are not going to be done the way they've always been done. And we can see this happening in every sector. You can look at just the GameStop Robin Hood thing and realize we're not going to go back to the way things were. So don't don't sit in that. Try to find your own pathway. Try to find your own way of making sure that what you're worth, you're being paid. Mm.
2: That was beautifully said, and and to dovetail, um, you you also work uh, on NCIA's. You 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 volunteer with NCIA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. So you you sit on that committee, which is one of NCIA's programs. So far, we've offered over 125 equity scholarship recipients a complimentary one year membership to ncia all the bells and whistles of regular membership uh, all the education networking opportunities and when the world opens back up again as they say after we get more vaccination confidence uh, access to our 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 award-winning trade shows like the cannabis business summit and expo um, which currently is scheduled for early August. We're all crossing our fingers, so stay tuned before you book any flights. Um, but Christine, I wanted to—I wanted to see if you wanted to share any anything about your experiences um, working with NCIA's DEI committee um, and what's in store for this year ahead.
4: I mean, I've had such a great time. I've been part of DEI since its inaugural year, which was. In 2019, or maybe 2020, no, 2019. Um, and we've done so much great work within the NCI organization to really um, make it accessible to folks that are coming into the industry that need exactly the type of help, information, and knowledge that the NCIA offers. And we have some really great programming coming up um, over the next couple of months. You can look at our. Um, our mind cl- our mastermind classes which are specific to topics you can look at our industry conversations which are about larger like how do you do facilities design how do you do how do you apply for a license things that are just A lot of information for people who are just starting in the industry, which a lot of our social equity scholarship recipients are actually doing. So it's been a great experience and I highly recommend it to anybody out there who isn't part of this program yet, please. It is worth all of the effort to sign up for it. Um, and it is free for a year, so take advantage.
2: Right, it's easy. So anyone who has applied for a cannabis operating license in any state that offers uh, an equity program, you're eligible. There's a form on NCIA's website. You just fill it out and our DEI program manager uh, will get back to you and get you set up. It's pretty easy, definitely. Thanks for talking about that, Christine. And I do wanna give a shout out to a couple of the sponsors of the DEI program, Tahoe Wellness Center and Copper State Farms. Those companies have stepped up and become DEI program sponsors, which allows us to do even more as an organization, a 501c6 nonprofit trade organization (laughs) uh, to do more of this kind of work because it's so important. So we have about a minute left. So I just wanna share that NCIA has lots of educational resources available in the meantime, while we're socially distancing and not going to fun trade shows. um, The webinar series is every week, our industry essentials and it ranges from catalyst conversations and other, uh, other just really helpful B2B information for you and your business, as well as an exclusive webinar called the Fireside Chats. This is a behind the scenes webinar with NCIA's lobbyists in Washington DC, giving you a behind the scenes look at what's happening around the beltway and in Congress. Um, So that webinar series, the Fireside Chats specifically, that's an exclusive NCIA member benefit. So if you're not yet a member of NCIA, head to our website, thecannabisindustry.org and sign up today. As we're ending the show here, thank you again. Thanks to all three of you uh, for, for jumping on this podcast and sharing all this with me. Again, uh, find the paper by going to the arcviewgroup.com NCIA. And thanks to everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time.